It's Monday, September the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, fresh French peak and rigged elections in Russia and Hong Kong. First, the world in brief. France pulled out of a defence summit with Britain as a row over Australia's decision to join the AUKUS security pact rumbled on. Australia's new trilateral alliance has meant spurning an order for French submarines in favour of nuclear subs based on American and British technology. France had already withdrawn ambassadors from America and Australia over its, quote, stab in the back. The share price of Evergrande, a cash-strapped Chinese property developer, plummeted while it started to repay investors in the form of discounted real estate. Its shares are now worth a tenth that of their high point last year. The company has debts of around 300 billion US dollars, the most of any property group in the world. Angry investors have besieged its headquarters in Shenzhen. Female employees of Kabul's municipal government were told to stay home as Afghanistan's Taliban rulers continue to choke women's rights in the name of Sharia law. Girls have already been barred from schools. On Friday, a few dozen female activists protested outside the former women's ministry after it was supplanted by a ministry for the promotion of virtue and prevention of vice. Hong Kong held its first elections without even the semblance of an opposition by a system China introduced to ensure that, quote, patriots rule Hong Kong. On Sunday, 4,380 people selected a 1,500-person, quote, election committee, which will pick some legislators in December and the territory's chief executive next year. Hong Kong's vocal pro-democracy opposition has been dismantled since huge anti-government protests in 2019. Exit polls in Russia's parliamentary elections suggested that the ruling United Russia Party, which supports President Vladimir Putin, has strolled to victory. In recent months, the government has cracked down on alternative candidates, especially those allied with Alexei Navalny, a jailed opposition leader. An independent watchdog recorded examples of rigging, including ballot stuffing and threats against observers. America began expelling would-be Haitian immigrants who have been massing in a Texas town. Some 13,000 people from the Western Hemisphere's most poverty-stricken country have taken shelter under a bridge in Del Rio on America's Mexican border. On Sunday, three planes returned around 320 people to Port-au-Prince, Haiti's capital. More flights are scheduled for the coming days. Britain's largest energy groups asked the government for emergency financial support to help them survive a crisis caused by soaring natural gas prices. The suppliers fear that taking on millions of customers from failing rivals will be costly, Five smaller energy companies have gone bust since the beginning of August. Rising costs are evident elsewhere. The price of American gas futures has nearly doubled in the past six months. And fact of the day, 
5.3%. The share of grants from the Gates Foundation awarded to organizations with headquarters in Africa. And now, here's today's agenda. What's the point? Canada's election. One of the main issues in Canada's parliamentary election on Monday is whether it should be happening at all. The leader of the opposition Conservative Party, Erin O'Toole, says that the Liberal Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, should be voted out of office for calling a snap election during a pandemic. Mr Trudeau had led a minority government. Most Canadians agree that the election is unnecessary. But that also implies that they see no strong reason to dump their leader. On the campaign trail, Mr Trudeau has exploited his rival's reluctance to endorse vaccine passports. That attack line seems to be working. Polls suggest that the Liberals and Conservatives will each win just over 30% of the vote. The Liberals look likely to win the most seats, but not enough for an outright majority, which presumably was Mr Trudeau's goal. That would only reinforce Canadians' belief that the election was pointless. Jail Cell Rwanda A hero awaits his fate. The hearing may be in a courtroom, the person ruling on the evidence is a judge, but the trial is all show. Paul Rousse Sabagina, whose bravery in saving more than 1,200 people during Rwanda's genocide inspired the film Hotel Rwanda, will on Monday receive his verdict on charges of terrorism. He will probably be found guilty. This is not because of the flimsy evidence, but rather because Rwandan prosecutors, who asked the court for a life sentence, made little effort to even pretend that the trial was fair. His criticism of Paul Kagame's corrupt presidency put a mark on his back. The government intercepted private correspondence between Mr. Rusisabagina and his Belgian lawyer, who was later deported, while his defence was not allowed to question prosecution witnesses. Yet the point was never fairness. It was instead to send a message that any critic of the government, no matter how famous, is themselves vulnerable to being picked off. Join the club, Germany's most valuable companies. The DAX, the stock market index of Germany's most valuable firms, will gain 10 new members on Monday, increasing the total to 40. The newcomers will be the most valuable German firms not already in the index, so long as they can show two years of positive earnings. They include Puma, a sportswear brand, Porsche, a car company, and Sartorius, a biopharma firm. The revision was triggered by the spectacular collapse last year of Wirecard, a payment processing firm that became the first DAX member to file for bankruptcy. DAX companies are now required to publish quarterly statements and audited annual results. Exchange-traded funds that track the DAX index will be among those that feel the immediate impact of the change. Funds with an estimated 19 billion US dollars of assets will need to shift their investments from the MDAX, where the companies used to be listed, to the DAX. (music) 
Seeing Green Britain's Eco-Friendly Bonds Britain's Treasury is well-versed in issuing, quote, gilts, bonds nicknamed for the gold edges historically affixed to their paper certificates. But never have gilts had such a green tint. This week, the government will auction the first of at least £15 billion, 20.6 billion US dollars, worth of bonds to be sold this financial year, targeted at funding Britain's green infrastructure ambitions. Britain joins a growing club of sovereign borrowers issuing climate-focused debt. Many of its European neighbours have already done so. Colombia will become the first Latin American country to sell green bonds in its own financial markets next week. Britain's government also wants to get ahead of the EU's 250 billion euros, 293.1 billion US dollars program, which will be launched later this year. European regulators have been caught up in debate over how strict standards for green debt financing should be. Britain sees an opportunity to attract discerning, climate-minded investors by making its own standards stricter. The Greedy Game – A Biennial World Cup In 2018, the then-Arsenal manager, Arsene Wenger, blamed his team's poor run of form on playing too many matches. Now, in his role as Chief of Global Football Development at FIFA, the game's governing body, Mr Wenger is campaigning for more fixtures, specifically making the Quadrennial World Cup a biennial affair. Opinions in the game are split. The primary motivation is, of course, money. The World Cup bankrolls FIFA. Smaller international teams would benefit from more funding if FIFA's revenue grew. But the Europeans and South Americans are opposed. They have established competitions whose place in the calendar would be threatened by more World Cups. The global players' union, FIFPRO, is concerned about a greater workload. FIFA is also not entirely shooting straight. Last week, it announced that the majority of fans were in favour of the change. In fact, its own survey showed the most popular opinion was maintaining a four-year cycle. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Maxwell Perkins, who died on this day in 1947. Every good thing that comes is accompanied by trouble. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.